Alright, the tape is rolling, the light is on, you're in the two-man booth with Nick Good and Neil Cochran And this is your podcast where we talk movies, sports, TV, sometimes music, Neil It is Thursday, it's Oscars Race 2021 Where, as we mentioned before, we were just firing through right till the end of April, basically Uh, This week we are covering Sound of Metal, uh, starring Riz Ahmad as Ruben, the, well, rapidly, uh, the metal drummer whose hearing is rapidly uh, decreasing and Mm. goes through the the transition of from being uh, able to hear to being deaf. And it's hell of a movie, uh, to say the least, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. This is one that's, this is another one that's unfortunate that you can't see in theaters because i just just to just to just to feel the tension of people when uh, when those scenes where there's just no sound would have been incredible you just because like at the end there's like a a moment of silence for literally what felt like five minutes but i think you know i think it's only about a minute minute and a half but like you said just that tension to feel that kind of stuff but that's to hear the different uh, changes in what's happening throughout the movie, yeah, it played on a big speakers like that would have been would have been really interesting. Yeah, so we'll get to all that. We'll talk about yeah some of our favorite scenes. Obviously, the acting, um, the endings. I think there's something to be said about the the lesson that uh, that Joe's trying to teach Ruben, and sure. we we ourselves have to are then confronted with it at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's also a film about addiction. Yeah, too, yeah, PTSD. Know. There's so much going on. So, right. Uh, let's let's just start with the specs as I normally do. Uh, these odds, according to Gold Derby, of course. Uh, best picture, not so much in the race at the moment. Uh, just on the outside, looking in a bubble, a bubble movie, if you will. Sure. As we used to say, bubble teams, playoff team. Uh, mm-hmm. Best picture, thirty-five to one. It's currently twelfth. So, it, like I said, outside looking in. Um, Best actor though, Riz Ahmad, four to four and a half to one. He is third behind. Uh, you're not going to like this, Neil. Sir Anthony Hopkins, and of course Chadwick Boseman. Not not the Chadwick Boseman part, the Anthony Hopkins part. Yes, sorry. Um, it's just he's got his Oscar. He's old. Come on, new blood. <laughs> to me, this is again, this is a unique performance. There's probably hasn't been, I would imagine, not one like this. So. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see these ones rewarded. This is what we've been talking about. Often. I agree. Not that Anthony Hopkins maybe isn't. But basically, when I when I've read the uh, premise of the father, Anthony Hopkins could do it in his sleep. But that's but then I mean. again, he's he's suffering from uh, Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, dementia, I believe. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it maybe it is. We haven't seen it yet. Maybe, maybe it'll, it'll surprise me. I'm yeah. sure I'm gonna like it. I'm not gonna yeah. say I'm not gonna slander it before I see it. But yeah, I don't know. I just give me some new blood. And to me, this is a refreshing. This is something I've never seen before. I'm sure absolutely you agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Paul Reiki, best supporting actor, six and a half to one. He's currently fourth, so he might get a nom too. Then, hey, yeah, uh, I would imagine he would for sure. It's looking like okay. looking like that behind. Because yeah, he uh, didn't. Does, does the Golden Globes have a supporting? They do. Right? They do, but we don't. We, uh, the two man booth. We don't. 
we don't give a shit about the Golden okay. Globes, quite frankly. Just because Paul, Paul uh, Reiki didn't have one, and I was surprised because he has one in a lot of other yeah. sort of critic critical awards and circles yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sags is the other one that matters, right? Of course, I think it matters so. more than the Golden Globes personally. But yes, yeah. Well, the, as far, the trifecta as far as prestige usually goes, is. Yeah, of course, the trifecta is roughly the the Golden Globes, the Sags. Those give you a pretty good indication. Those two leading into the Oscars, kind of yeah. where things are headed. Yeah, just like a side note, right? Like it, there, it, and there's been a lot written and talked about about the uh, Hollywood foreign press around the Golden Globes and their lack of diversity and everything like that. You can uh, read people who are better informed in it on it than we are, but it is interesting because you have the SAG Awards, which for those who don't know is the Screen Actor Guild Awards. So it's you're being uh, voted is not the right word. You're being praised by your peers, right? Which is generally mm-hmm. why it's viewed as being maybe high, held in higher esteem, right? And, and any of them, like whether it's the Screen Actors Guild or the uh, the Writers Guild or whatever, all, any of the guilds when you're when you're the ones rewarding or recognizing your peers, like to to that community, it's more important, right? Sure. And the, the Golden Globes is a little flashier, a little more mainstream. Yeah, it's more TV. about getting all yeah. those celebrities in the room and drinking together and stuff, and that's fun. Um, and then yeah. the the Oscars is supposed to be an amalgamation of all of it, right? All you have it, you yeah. have the Oscars, the the Academy, right, which is comprised of writers and actors and journalists and mm-hmm. whoever, right? Like technical from technical sides to uh, in front of the cameras, so uh, in front of the camera. So that's why generally we we like to cover the Oscars because it's it is a, it's a water swath, but Hey, they still make mm-hmm. mistakes, which is why we do Oscars revisited. Right. So That's anyway, right. anyway, uh, best original screenplay, Darius martyr, who, uh, was also the director, um, who's not really in the best director race, but that's fine. That's a loaded category this year. Uh, 12 to one. So that's f- fifth for best original screenplay right now. Okay. So I would like to see that get a nom too. That would be nice. Yeah, I agree. Oh, because it's totally like if you want to talk original and unique, and this is this yeah. defines it, right? It's behind. I like, see again. It's behind. Oh, sorry, I said it's fifth. It's actually sixth. Um, because it's well, it's, sorry, it's tied for fifth. It's tied with Soul, which I'm okay with. I can live with a Soul okay. nom. Mank again. It's based on real people. Like I don't I love Mank, but I don't know if it belongs here. Minari. Uh, okay, promising scene. Promising young woman, and then leading the category, Neil, our guy, Chicago Seven, Aaron Sorkin, again who, based on real people, who won this award at the Golden Globes, I believe. Ah, okay, huh? <laughs> yeah. See, this is a way more original screenplay. I don't even think it's a competition. Or actually, no. Right. Does the Golden Globes not do just one? We talked about this. They just, they just do, do a do screenplay. One. They just do one. Yeah, that's they right. just do a screenplay. Yeah. yeah, but like. For original goes like this is this a soul promising a woman absolutely belong in those three categories or should those three do, movies belong in this category. Should there be a third category where you have original screenplay, which is like like I said, whole cloth, totally original, adapted screenplay, which comes from a source text, which is or like a play or and whatever, mixture one or something, and then one that's like yeah, screenplay based on historical figures where there's not necessarily a text, but it's real people. Maybe, maybe. I think we or should we just make it one big one. This is because this is idiotic, though. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the trial of the Chicago Seven is not original. No, it's these not. are real people. Every not, not one person. This is real people and a real trial that took place. It's just so frustrating. Like, we, regardless of how it's fictionalized or however it's yeah. sort of, you know. But so, this is an original story. This isn't something that was just made up. Like, so like this I, is something that I was could made take. Up. 
I, of course it's Aaron Sorkin. So like the dialogue is made up. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, so I could take a Wikipedia entry, reformat it with some original words in there, some some made up dialogue, and a, that's an original screenplay. It doesn't original make sense screenplay, to me. baby. Doesn't make uh, sense. Anyway, uh, best editing sixth as all, uh, as well. So just outside just looking in, hovering, hey, fifteen to one. Mikkel E. G. Nielsen is who did the editing, and then of course with a name like Sound of Metal, it should be. Well represented in the sound category, and it's leading plus three three hundred thirty three first uh, in Oof, the best sound. That's some category. good odds. That's like yeah, that's a heavy favorite. Yeah, yeah. I, I will be absolutely floored if this doesn't win like best sound. I it's would be, just it would be a travesty. And see, the thing is, point. too, is you you look at the you look at the movie poster, you you, you read the premise, and you think, oh, it's because it's going to be really music based. And other than that opening scene, it's not Almost so much none. about that. It's about no, it is not. That transition. Um, let's talk about that opening scene, actually, Neil. Um, sure. Right from the get-go, you know something's off, but it doesn't. It doesn't really. Like, yeah, and it doesn't like make it jump out at you. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. It just—it's very subtle. There's something wrong with the sound. Like I don't know about you, but at first I had, like had to turn my headphones up because I'm like, oh, did I? Yeah, it, you know, I was watching this on my computer, so I had headphones on, and I'm like, do, oh, yeah. is there something wrong? Because He's banging on these on these snare drums, and it's kind of muffled. And you're like, "No, this is not." Mm-hmm. And you know, for somebody like me, I, I enjoy some heavier music sometimes, like some sure. heavy guitars, like some some metal now and then. I'm like, "This is not what metal is supposed to sound like." Yeah. And then you and then you realize like it's all kind of muffled, and then she starts Lou starts singing, and it's kind of garbled. And you're like, "Oh man, okay, like it's we're we're just right into it." There's none of this. Because at first, I don't know about you, I thought maybe it'd be like a slow, a, a steadier descent. Descent's not the right word. A steadier transition from him living the rock star lifestyle, and then sure. it, you know, his hearing going. But right from the start, it's like, no, this is what the story is all about. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think I made the conscious choice, and I know you did too. Probably to wear headphones because I had, you know, we had kind of heard about what yeah. this you know would sound like and so i wanted to make sure that i was like really connected with the movie because you're watching it on yeah. like a tv it, you know if you're not in the theater where things are just really loud yeah f- from the beginning you know you might you might miss kind of what's going on so yeah I, I, same thing as you i kind of like oh yeah it, it's not as loud as you would think because he's at like a he's playing drums right yeah. um and yeah you're right i think because then it's like it jumps from that scene, from that opening scene where it's like a little bit muffled, whatever, to literally the next night when they're doing it again, pretty much. And he or the you know they they show them wake up in the van, blah blah, and they basically do the same thing that they just did the night before. I I got a question. I I, I like classical music, I, but I can't sure. you know I can't identify something right away. Is he playing sure. Mozart in the morning when he wakes Lou up? It's a good question. I couldn't tell you. Because I mean, I don't listen to classical music myself. Because if it was, or sorry, not Mozart. I mean Beethoven. Because it would mm. be, it, it would be like kind of hitting the nail on the head there. But sure. it'd be a nice little touch, right? Nice little touch. And sure. I don't know I, about I you. Couldn't tell you. But I kept thinking about the whole time, like, how the fuck did Beethoven write symphonies? <laughs> like beautiful symphonies. Like this. Like they do the great scenes where that you know everyone at the school they're like pressed against the piano and stuff like that. <laughs> So I just I just gathered the fact that Beethoven, of course, was deaf. Yes. Oh, okay. 
but like, okay, I understand. I, I knew that in my head, but right. it's been a very long time since I've talked right. about Beethoven. So I, at first, I was like, "What do you mean, Nick? Like putting right symphonies?" But now, ah, you're right. That would be maybe a little on the head, but also like kind of like subtle at the same time. You'd have to really know what was yeah. going on. Huh. Yeah, that's a good question. I have a feeling that it had to be then, didn't it? I mean, yeah, you almost it almost be irresponsible not to. <laughs> It had to be Beethoven, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So they and and again, it's it's a really good subtle establishment of these are you know these guys are in a metal or him and Lou are in a metal band and they're they live a pretty bohemian Nomadic. lifestyle and yeah. But he's making shakes in the morning. He's getting up to to do some exercise. Like it's it's sort of like right away turns it on. Oh, okay, they're not like partying hard or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. again, I, I, they never talk about it, but you see a couple shots of Lou's wrist and there's some cuts mm-hmm. on it, some scars on it. Right. So like you, for sure, it's just so like that to me is such good writing. Uh, and I just, I love that kind of stuff where it's just so it tells you everything you need to know without mm-hmm. exposition, which again, I have a lot of time for an Aaron Sorkin movie, but Jesus Christ, you know that there would be an entire 10 minute scene talking about these two's the, the two of their past, right? Why he makes the shakes that he does and like <laughs> right? Because he's making like this green shake and you know, you put it together he's a little like, later. It tastes like, like okay. shit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like he's like, Oh, it's healthy and like clearly yeah. they're trying to live a you know, relatively healthy life. And you don't exactly know why, but like, yeah, like you said, he he's occupying his time, you know, doing push ups, making this shake in the morning, but there's no dialogue and you yeah. know, but eventually you kind of learn it's like well because they're recovering drug addicts like yeah. they're they're addicts right so it's you're occupying your time with something else you're doing something before the show comes you know instead of getting high it's you know hey we'll do some push-ups and we'll make some drinks and i'll try and live a little bit healthier here yeah you know? i mean it makes it makes her eggs or whatever in the morning right exactly but it's like like you said it's it's done in a way that isn't like right in your face it's yeah. like okay you kind of figure it out we've all know? we've all heard the the stories of you know the hard hard living rock stars and so it's easy to put it together right it's easy to see like yes. okay this is this is a couple that it's in that recovery process right Reco- exactly. recovery part of their life um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean if even to go back to the the opening scene with the with when he's drumming and you can tell he's kind of losing and he's trying to follow along with her and he, and keep time it like right from the get go your 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 heart's already starting to break you're just like oh yeah. my god man like it's all slipping away from him right the mm-hmm. the reality that he knows right yeah and, and you know it's it, it it's interesting to have this conversation about this movie too in the in the language we use right about like where Ruben is in his life at the time, he's losing what he knows, right? But yes. what this movie teaches us is it's not about that. It's not it's not about feeling like you've lost anything or that the or that you're mm-hmm. like like Joe says, like you're not disabled. It's just your life is different now. Yes. It's about adapting, right? Yeah. Like it, it's you have to in the end, I don't think it it's saying anything specific, at least that's how I saw it, about certain scenarios, but it's just about the ability to connect with people and yeah. the ability to change your surroundings when it changes like for you and just adapting to that. Yeah. I think that's really all it comes out to you. Like you said, it's yeah, in this case he's physically losing his hearing. Yeah. But it's it's about how do you respond to that now? Do you become this person or do you become this person? And that's kind of where this movie heads, right? And so. I think with you know showing him as a drummer, it mm-hmm. It's kind of like the workman's part of the band in a way. Like, sure. you know, I've talked about uh, 
like Neil Peart and some of the some of the drummer. You know, if you you look at any metal drummer and they all have Keith Moon in them, right? Just like Moon the Loon, bang, banging the shit out of those drums, right? Um, and so I th- I love that like the camera just stays on him and he's just you see how hard he's working, he's hitting the double kicks and all that kind of stuff, right? And as as everything's muted to him for me, like watching it, it's, it is heartbreaking because it's like, he's working so hard at this thing that he clearly loves and he's not getting that artistic validation, right? He can't hear what he's creating. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I go back to yeah. Beethoven, I go back to Beethoven. I'm like, what the fuck, man, this guy wrote the, his ninth <laughs> symphony and like never got to hear it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then like you said, he wakes up, um, after that second show second and then, show. and then that is like, Oh man! So Again, this is the first time that they really manipulate the sound for us, and and it's and and it's oh. relatable because you do all like you know you he tries to like uh, unplug you know he plugs his nose yeah. and try to blow his ears out and then he tries to crack his jaw right. We've all had like a uh, bubble a bubble in our ear kind of thing. We all know what that's like, yeah. and it it sounds like that. This is where you're talking like right away if you're in a theater. How interesting! Like yeah. you said. Would you have felt a little bit of the tension in the room that it yeah. would have made you feel like all of a sudden your ears were kind of like, yeah, because that's what it made when I was listening to the headphones. I was like, ah, like I want to do this stuff now. And like, and you know, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, when I was younger, probably, yeah, late, I would, would have been in my late teens. I went on a trip with my parents and I was overseas and something happened where like one of my ears got plugged, like from wax or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to a pharmacy and they give you this like solution to kind of dissolve it. But it's like they said, it's like, oh, it's going to take maybe a day or two until it's good yeah. to go. And it's kind of like a frightening feeling when you have that, when you have that, that feeling in your, in your ear, in your head. And you're trying to, like I said, crack your jaw, like pop your ears and it's not working. And you're just kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah. And it, it is that weird sort of like you have a seashell, like a conch shell over your ear almost. Right. Like it's. For sure. Yeah. Again, it's just so. Ooh, it's very like it's very uh, like you said. It's jarring. It's yep. very jarring when yep. you are you know when you do hear and then all of a sudden you don't. And I think again portrayed really well in here. Doesn't like uh, it's so subtle though because all of a sudden then he goes to the pharmacy and like he can't even like pick yeah. up what the guy's saying. And then you know he's you can hear the guy on the other line. He's like, yeah, like it's bad. Like he can't. He can barely. And then like, it cuts. And then it cuts. And the the dialogue is so clear. Right, um, something for the first time they're going to do that they do lots in this movie, right? But they even before that, so even before when he wakes up, we should mention too when he's at the venue before the show, it go, his hearing goes at that point when he's That's standing right. at the merch at the merch table, and you're kind of like, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, and then you yeah, have the trip to the doctors. Um, again, such a good job. He has the headphones on, and he's like, "Can you say? Can you repeat the words back to me?" And you're trying to, li- I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm trying to listen. Yes. And I'm like, I can't oh, hear man. them. And I'm like, wait, is my hearing going? But it's because you're from Ruben, Ruben's point yeah. of, not point of view, point of hearing, right? So, sure. And then when it cuts away to the other side of the of the glass and it's the doctor. Different words. Oh, my God. It's just, and you get you, that look. Again, this is where Rizamod is just so good, where it's just that look on his face where he knows. He's like, I'm fucked, man. I, I have yeah, no idea. I, he just stops trying to guess even. Yeah. He just starts saying things. And then he's like, I don't know. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's, and, and then and again, it, it's such a good job with sound because, yeah. like you said, you're like trying to hear, and then it—it's such a we—it's an immense uh, and it's an immersive experience. Absolutely, is the best way I can put it. Like, 
and I think that's what I appreciated about it. It was done in such a way that you're bouncing between like what maybe Ruben is hearing and what you know the outside world is hearing. And yeah. I think it's done in such a way that makes you really get a feel for it. Yeah, there's a visceral feeling to it because it is something that we all you know not take for granted per se, but we just we hear right. We can just hear. Well, I mean, so we're doing a put in there. podcast, Neil. Like we're doing sure. something that is solely Requires. audio. Yeah. <laughs> Solely auditory, <laughs> yeah. right? So for sure, yeah. It's just I, I was I, I almost <clears throat> when I was watching this movie, I was you know we're preparing for a podcast. I'm like, this is kind of like this is I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it's just like I'm preparing to talk about deafness on a on a platform where it's you know kind of required. Ah, anyway, yeah, it was just it was a yeah. strange moment. It's a, again, this is this movie. Promise Young Woman, these are movies that are important to be made. This is why art is important. I talk about it all the time because mm-hmm. you can read a nonfiction book about these kinds of things. You can read an article. You can read an Atlantic article, a New York Times article. But I don't think it has the impact sometimes that movies like this do. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, t- they're things that, need, that are discussed in a way, maybe not so much Promising Young Woman because it is a little bit uh, – sure. But this yeah, one, there's a little bit of glamour. But I think you said it. You said it best before we started recording, Neil. It's not like there's no glamorization or there's no like mm-hmm. there's no real tragedy as as much as I've used like the terms heartbreaking and stuff. It's just understanding yeah. Ruben's situation. But at the end of it, like there's nothing sad or tragic about anybody's lives in this. And that's right? what it's trying to say here. It's yeah. representing the world that we live in. And I think that's what I appreciated about this film so much is that yes, it's about the deaf community and there's definitely things involved there, but there's a level of care that's taken that it doesn't romanticize it. It doesn't make it seem whatever. It just makes it seem what it is, right? Like Ruben gets there and there's just like a level of representation here that is just, that's all it's doing. It's just representing a certain culture or a certain community that just doesn't hear. Like that's really all it is. Right. And it does such a good job too of, of showcasing technologies that can be used. Right. And without being like, look at this phone, this phone is like having, it's like you can talk on the phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like in for sure, you you mentioned it, uh, we were talking about just about the plot and everything like in, in someone else's hands, there's like some things that could be very like ham fisted, right? Like what we were talking about is like a possible love story between Ruben and the teacher, because there's a little bit of like a flirtation going on, but yeah, you know, like, in the wrong hands or might be like, Oh, they have a tryst or something. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, there's just, they, they show the technologies with Joe when he's, um, when he's talking to First Ruben, talking to Ruben. Yes. And then when Ruben calls the, the, uh, the clinic to get his, to get his surgery, like, right. you know, the, the, the print comes up on the, on the phone screen. I know Ray Kurzweil. He's a, uh, he was somebody who helped design um, print to speech for the blind. So I don't know if this is his technology, but he was a, he's an author and a, and a innovator. He wrote uh, the books. The singularity is near. If you've ever heard the term, the singularity, he was the one who oh. kind of uh, talked about that. Age of spiritual machines is what came before it. Um, if of course, you know, the album spiritual machines from our lady peace, they're based oh, it off okay. that book. So uh, yeah, so he does, he, he does a lot of, um, he talked a lot about technologies and advancements. He kind of predicted Siri in the late nineties. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, anyway, sure. uh, I, I kept thinking about that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, yeah. It, it just does good, a good job of integrating, of just integrating people and how like 
Yeah. Life life goes on and, you know, and we haven't even talked about Joe yet and he's just Well, so Joe is a cuz you know, we've kind of been talking a little bit about it like I think as Ruben's losses hearing here, a couple of production notes, they did the film in order. They filmed oh. it over 4 weeks and oh, they sequentially. did they did it sequentially, which makes oh. sense because it's about the journey to it'd be hard to bounce back between there, right? Like yeah. I think for him, you know, for the for uh, Paul Mor- Martyr, I think he wanted the idea that um, you know you have to go through the journey, right? In terms yeah. of, it's a lot easier to act that I would imagine because sure. it is something that is unique and <clears throat> um, in a way that like wanted to feel sort of authentic. So you have to start acting the part in in that way. And then yeah, like you said, uh, Paul Reiki, like he is it Reiki Ratchi? I think it. I don't know. I've heard. Yeah, this is like the Buscemi, Buscemi, Buscemi sure. thing. Yeah, um, I've been reading. You know, I was curious, so I started reading yeah. some articles and stuff after, of course, because I wanted to see kind of what the praise of what it was getting. And a yeah. big thing that the director said was, without Paul Reiki, he doesn't have this movie. Like he yeah. waited 13 years to basically find this actor. So he isn't deaf himself, but he is uh, a child of two deaf parents Mm. so that he knows how to do American sign language. So he is involved in the deaf community without necessarily being deaf, but it's they, he, the director found a uh, organization, which is uh, called children of deaf uh, parents kind of thing. And so that's how he discovered this actor. And he's basically Paul Ricky himself said that like, you can't fake it. Like they, yeah. you know, they kind of talked about some other films that had done some American Sign Language and stuff like that, and how it didn't quite represent exactly what goes on. And so, well, there, again, there's that level of like yeah. authenticity with him that he understands what it means to to be deaf, even though he isn't himself. And so, I think he creates such a great liaison for like a Ruben character because, you know, in his personal life, he probably is a go between of the certain, you know, of the language of the deaf and speaking people. So I think it's, or like people that can hear, sorry. So I think it's just, that shows in the movie, right? That he's, he's such a perfect character here. Yeah. I mean, like the only, obviously when we think of deaf actors and representation, Marley Matlin is who comes to mind, right? She Mm. won the Oscar for children of a lesser God, I believe she did. And he, he mentions that in one of the interviews that I read about him is that like, cause his mother was excited to see her perform because of that. Cause there was finally some representation as we often say. Right. So I think having him in this role and then having a, you know, a majority of actors that are deaf in the movie again just creates a level of representation that feels way more authentic because apparently the role of Joe was highly sought after by a lot of mm. higher oh my profile. God. Could you even, imagine like I Jared know. Leto in this role? See, and that's what, and I think, and and I we will admit, like I'm so glad that the director didn't do that because it gives yeah. this movie. It brings it to the next level, man. It Absolutely. totally it, it brings it a level of authenticity that just would not have been there. There's just no doubt about it, and that representation is so important. So I know, like you imagine, and that's, again, that's uh, where the movie does a really good job. Is you know, uh, what's the main actor? I always Rizamod. Rizamod, like you can tell that he learned American Sign Language, but they don't make him like do it a thousand times like it's yeah. you, you know what i mean like they don't yeah. like show off how much he knows there's no the like a, that it took or like a rocky montage of him like 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. even when he's like subtly learning it, he's like half doing it, half not because he, yeah. you know, he's still learning. And like, so he's not showing off that he knows how to do all these like different, you know what I mean? Like, because like you said, that's Jared Leto in there. He's showing off how good he is at American Sign Language. And then it just goes way off the rails. The only you know? scene maybe is when he's doing the alphabet race with the kid. Sure. But that's, but that's fine. Kinda, but it's, it's the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's you have to learn that. That's the basics. You know, that's going to be the the sort of. Yeah. The basics I, of it. So I just love how it it's uh, it's not thrown in your face the whole time. It's totally right. just like that. Like you said, it's adapting to change is really all it is. It's it's him learning. Like, I mean, Joe writes it right on the board. Right. Ruben's goal is to learn to become how to become deaf or like yeah. learn to be a deaf person. Basically. Yeah. So, and well, if we need to go back to um, when. Ruben finally tells Lou what's going on. Oh, and even at that, the end of the, the, uh, doctor scene where Ruben's like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, yeah, Mm. surgeries, whatever. He's like, no, you need to understand that what's your, it's like one year is 28%. The other is 24%. He's like, what you've lost, you're never getting back. Your top around the lines of your top priority right now is to preserve what hearing you have left and then cut right to him. At a concert, just Drumming sl- yeah, you can't be around loud music, loud yeah. sounds, and then we still don't really know how off he is, how how you know, frankly, bad the performance is because we're again we're hearing it from his perspective. All we do is we just see Lou looking at him like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Mm-hmm. And he's obviously like he's he's mad. He's kind of he's kind of uh, uh, you know using the drums as a bit of an outlet. And then mm-hmm. walks off stage, and then finally he kind of tells her what's going on. Then we were at the diner, and she again, uh, uh, Olivia, Olivia, Olivia Cook, Cook. Thank you. I was going to say Olivia Brown. Olivia Cook. She's not really getting a lot of recognition for best supporting actress. Uh, it's again a bit of a loaded category this year, but uh, I think she's really good in this movie. Like especially in this diner scene where she's trying to figure out like I need to do what's best for him, for me. For like for what's going on, for the situation, and she does like she calls, you know, he kind of freaks out. Ruben freaks out. He walks outside. She hears him ask for a cigarette, and we kind of think, okay, whatever. But she freaks out, and this is where the whole addiction thing comes really gets fleshed out. Where it's like, okay, yeah. she calls the sponsor, Hector. This is what's going on, and it's just, and she goes, okay, well, he wants to talk to you, Ruben. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed like? I can't hear here, jo- yeah. Lou, and then he just kind of rants to Hector. We never hear Hector's voice. Hey, Hector, what's going on, man? It's Ruben. I'd say it's good to hear your voice, but I can't hear a fucking word you're saying right now, so this is completely pointless. Lou wanted me to call you because I had a cigarette. Uh, You know, not great, not ideal, but considering the circumstances, which are pretty fucked up, uh, you know, understandable. I'd say understandable for everyone apart from Lou, it seems. Um... I got this, bro. I know you'd probably be asking me if I'm steady right now, if I'm feeling level. Not completely, but I'm cool. You'd tell me serenity is something you get when you uh, stop wishing for a different past. Bro, I love you, man. Oh, my manager wants a, wants a phone back, so I, I got to go. Okay. Love you, bro. Um, but yeah, that's I just it's a great, a great, like, for your consideration scene with Riz Ahmad. <laughs> where, like, well, for sure. Because- and- because yeah. this is the point where it's like, you know, and it's inevitable in a movie like this. You're going to get the, I'm frustrated and I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to accept my situation. But it, it, it's, it's inevitable, but it, it, but it can be 
done poorly or it could be, be done pretty expertly. And I think this one falls in the latter category. 100%. Yeah. And one, it, it again, it, it starts the transition of the film. Really, that is the scene where Lou now is in the mix in terms of she's part of this now. So she has to help him make the decision because clearly there's been established that there is a codependency here, you know, on one another. And she's basically like, no, we're not fucking doing anything until you basically deal with this. And I'm worried about you, you know, like getting worse and all these different things. So and then, you know, as we learn, Hector then calls Joe and then that's kind of what sets in motion, you know, a little bit of of, uh, Ruben ultimately going to this sort of community. But he's hesitant to do so right yeah of course the first time you know that so you know that we as you just mentioned like it kind of packed together here really tightly is that scene of ruben ranting and then all of a sudden we get that first scene when ruben shows and uh, lou show up to the sort of community and he meets joe for the first time and joe explains the whole story about how he was a vietnam veteran right blue blew his ear out that's how he lost his hearing um yeah and like it's I, almost I like you said the story four year, heard yeah you know you the four-year consideration that's kind of this is kind of the window of time where we see that because it's yeah well close i mean is it this one or is it one, later it's or, later oh. for paul or for joe's character maybe but yeah uh, for paul it's later but for ruben this is definitely you know in yeah. there and yeah this is just such a tight uh, i i want to say tight it's just it's so well done because they get there. They're resistant, of course. Like Ruben's, like, no, nah, we're not religious people. Like we don't, you know, no offense, but because you know it's like sponsored by a church or whatever. Church, people that yeah. originally, originally come to the community if they don't have uh, the funds to basically live there. You know, the church will sponsor them. And, and I, I, I want to touch on that a little bit because yeah. I think again, it's a nice little subtle thing where, um, I think it's fair to say you and I are both not the most religious people either. Sure. But no, but I think that's a that that's a good. It's almost it. It's almost like a throwaway line. But Joe just says like, yeah. you know, this is just, you know, it's just religious people want to look after people, not other religious people, right? Yeah, they're just trying to help people and I, in need, not. And I'm like, see, that's and, and and again, it could be a throwaway line, but it's like that's just like a good. That's the good side of what of organized religion. Sometimes there's really bad stuff that comes from it, but that's that that shows the good side of it, where like this community, this commune if if what you will or whatever sure has been built because of the generosity of of people who are just looking to do good things so i just i, I just wanted to mention that because i thought that was a nice sure. little yeah throw because in there. It, again because, there's not because he's, there isn't a lot he's of aggressive at this point mm-hmm. right like ruben is being a little aggressive he's like no like like you said fuck that like i'm not yeah he, oh, when he you can tell he's, oh, he's, he's teetering on the edge right well he's, he's almost teetering maybe, on the edge of addiction well and he's almost probably thinking well like Joe says later, you, I don't know what's going on, but you look and act like somebody who's an, an addict. addict. Um, but yeah. he, uh, he almost maybe thinks that he's joining a cult, right? That's why he's like, nah, I'm mm. not having any of this. Right. So, yeah. totally. but then, yeah, like you said, Joe has the, he, they set up the screen with the, with the, the speech and everything like that. And I, I like that too, where there's already sort of this like teacher mentor thing where he's like, Ruben, you got to look at me. I read lips. I read lips, yeah. You, you know, you got to look at me. You get, you can't mumble. You got to speak clearly. And he, because everyone, there's a couple times he t- kind of turns away. He's like, Ruben, I don't know what you're saying. I'm deaf, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you have to speak clearly to me. Yeah, yeah. And but it, again, and there's it, that like, it's about the human connection. It's like you need to look me in the eyes. Like this is how yeah. we communicate, kind of thing. Yeah. It's oh, just, and I think that I think the final scene too really hammers the human connection part home. But uh, yeah, I, like like you said that. Uh, 
when he's when he, when Joe's talking about like yeah this is my life story uh, I'm also an addict and that's the other thing that's interesting too is that this, it's a community for deaf people but it's also a community for for recovering addicts right so he's yep. like you know I it's I was also in a no- school like it's it's interesting there's like a whole diff- there it's all this different thing for people that you know are yeah. part of the deaf community yeah yeah and Joe's you know I was in Nam like you said I, I bomb went off I remember the last song I was, oh you're a rock star I remember the last song I heard let's talk about me. I'm an alcoholic. I lost my hearing in the Vietnam War when a bomb exploded near me. I still remember the music I was listening to when that bomb went off. After that, I lost everything else. My wife, my kid. Not because of being deaf, mind you, Reuben. It was the beer. How long have you been clean? Four years. Four? Oh. And you need some help right now? You know, I should check on Lou. How long have you two been together? Four years. He never mentions it, which I was kind of disappointed in, but... Um, <laughs> Joe looks like a guy that looks listened to heavy metal himself. Is that what you're Heavy saying? metal? Maybe, maybe you know, if you want to pull a, like a... Apocalypse Now reference, maybe just be like, oh, is this an unfortunate son or something, right? Like the <laughs> the, the 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 song that's in every Nam movie, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he's, you know, I I lost, and then I lost everything. I lost my kids. I lost my wife, not because of being deaf, because of the beer kind of thing, right? And he's like really mm-hmm. establishing that, like, that you know, we can sometimes, you know, correlation is not always causation, right? Just because these two things happen, well, obviously one mm-hmm. did lead to the other, but I can't blame things that I've done that, uh, and things that I've lost on this one thing, it's actually this other thing, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's what he's, the establishment here. And then, of course, later he says, you know, just go into a room and write kind of thing, right? And Just learn to sit. Somebody from somebody like me, I'm like, man, if somebody told me to just go sit in a room and write for all day and I, that was my job, like, fuck, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> because that, it, like you said, it is interesting because it is, a, it, it, there's such a delicate but well done weaving of the effects of PTSD, of addiction, uh, and then of this change in your life, you know, becoming deaf. I don't, they don't really, I think it's probably people who are, who have become deaf that are at this community, right? Or it's a mixture. I think there's just a mixture. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know because they don't ever really say, which I don't think because uh-huh. it doesn't really matter. Doesn't I think matter. it is just, yeah, but you're right. I, I kind of got the sense that it was more maybe that, but then I was kind of thinking later, I was like, ah, I think it's just a mixture. I think it's just, yeah, because I, there probably is, I'm have to imagine there's some subtleties between, um, you know, having it from the beginning of your life until, uh, the end. The only reason I say this is because the kids were obviously, we're deaf. So then they're teaching them right. basically American sign language and all these different they're in a school for them. So I, that's where I was like, Oh, it must be a mixture then maybe, or, or something along those lines. But uh, yeah, I think it, it's just, like I wonder how accurate, I wonder how accurate this sign language and the planet of the apes movies is. Oh my God. Cause it, well, it, I'm serious. The, the new ones, <laughs> the Andy circus ones or the uh, Matt Reeves ones, because that's how they first learned to communicate. And they do the same thing where it's like the where it's like the subtitles and stuff. Yeah. Again, know. what I liked about this movie is like very little subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, it's about the the tra- like like you said, it's the sort of transition from him learning to live as a deaf person. Yeah. 
when and the, you know that kitchen scene when he you know when he finally ex- basically oh. he finally accepts he finally accepts to come to the compound of course oh that Lou, kitchen that th- kitchen scene yeah, I thought you were talking Lou, about later Lou, at the party no this one's great like Lou yeah. um you know does eventually convince him like hey you have to promise me that you'll go do this like you need to you know this is your situation now like you do need to go learn yeah. you know kind of this stuff and you are an addict like you need to be in a place that can help you with both basically kind of thing and this is the place for you so they eventually split off and Ruben does go you know accept Joe's offer to stay there um, and one of the scenes the one of the well, first scenes of when even he's there, before you get there though like you made a good point before talking about the dependency with Lou and that mm, scene yes. shows it where he's like I can't you can't leave like this is this is breaking my heart like I can't have and then you he's leave. like you know promise me you'll stay or like you'll you'll wait for me basically yeah and even before yeah. that when he's talking to Joe and Joe fi- like we you had mentioned the codependency he figures it out he's like oh how long have you been clean you know mo- he's what did what, what kind of drugs are you into it's like all of them but mostly heroin how long have you been clean four years oh Lou seems nice how long how long have you two been together for four years so he are, and that's why he's sort of like there can be no communication this stuff won't work no phones, no email, right? And then Ruben breaks it, which is what leads to what happens, right? Um, and yeah, so so Joe figures it out right away. Like, okay, this is there's a there's a, there's a dependency here that is is not destined to be sustainable, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So then she, like you mentioned, she leaves. And then yeah, talk about the dinner scene because it's so well, good. yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I think what I like about it is, um, you know, we think of perhaps maybe that's what he's portraying a little bit the director here is like you know they get to dinner and we're originally from the outside and it's just like or you're we're from ruben's perspective and like there's just nothing it's all silence and he's not looking up again there's no there's no interaction he's looking down at his plate kind of thing right down he's kind of trying to figure it out everything's really muddled obviously we're back in his head from what he can hear and, and everything's like he can barely hear anything and it sounds like nothing and everyone's signing to each other at the table and they're all really like active with it and stuff and then again it cuts out and it's so noisy when because they're all banging things and they're you know dropping their plates to or dropping their forks and spoons and stuff to sign at each other and they're pointing at each other and it's just like it's like chaos in terms yeah. of like there's so much noise yet from Ruben's perspective there's just none because he doesn't have that capacity yet to communicate but it's you know it's it, it's a it's a again a subversion of like the the classic yeah. dinner scene right with like the, the like the bustling family like you know if you want to talk like the Italian style dinner right where everyone's sure. yelling at each other and yeah there's banging and stuff it's the same thing but again it's that that shift of perspective where it's like what isolation is like when you're mm-hmm. the person who doesn't who who's not part of what's going on right mm-hmm. again it, whether it's whether it's about deafness whether it's about anything right like this movie mm-hmm. is so good at kind of being trans uh tra- transcending those types of things about what Absolutely. isolation yet, is yet yeah. still representing that specific yeah portion properly and i think that's where that scene really hits it for me cuz you're right it's like how many times did those people probably sit at a dinner table and feel isolated, you know, until they all found each other yet. And then this time it's Ruben now in that situation, but that's probably how they all felt at some point yet. They're just as vibrant and, and uh, loud and boisterous. As you said, this, you know, very family gathering style dinner. I just, and the sound that was going on, I just was like, that was such a fucking cool scene. I right away. I was like, Oh, that's so fucking sweet. But I think it's important to remember too, that, you know, Ruben is isolated in this situation 
from his own from his own choice, right? Like he's That's resistant right. still. He's not wanting to engage. He's not wanting to learn yet. So yes, exactly. It's not it's not like an ostracization, right? No. They're not they're not trying to ignore him. He, they're just Joe's. It seems though Joe's method is you have to opt in, like any sort of re- uh, rehabilitation yes. or any t- or any type of recovery or anything like that, right? You have to opt in. I can't force you to do anything. I can't get you to um, to be the one, or I can, yeah, I can't basically force you to do it. Is basically what it comes down but, to, right? But, so, and that's great because like it's like anything. Like sometimes you just got to get dropped in. Right. Yep. It's almost like Ruben was just dropped in in the middle of something. And now you have to like you either learn American sign here or, you know, sign yep. language or you don't you don't participate like you, you're not able to communicate. And if well, you want to have that human connection, you got to learn what it means to be deaf. So, yeah. That, and like you said, that's kind of Joe's that seems to be Joe's style here is that is like you don't have a choice to just like not opt in. Like I'm going to make Absolutely. you opt in if you're here. So, yeah, it's so good. And not not uh, not Diane, but the other teacher. Like that's the one thing he he says to Ruben, right? He's like, you know, turn off your turn off your voice. If you're going to learn, you got you can't be using your voice for the next few weeks here, right? Even though you mm-hmm. can still. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the when we really start to get, you know, Joe's the way he's trying to help Ruben is. He wakes up in the morning. Ruben, we we figured we've it's kind of been established, but we figured he's an early riser, right? He gets up, he needs to keep himself occupied, and he's fixing the eaves trough on the on the building. And Joe kind of is like, "Ruben, come with me." And he's like, "What the hell was that?" He's like, "Oh, your eaves trough. It was you know it needed fixing." And you know, again, bit of a out of context. It might sound a little cheesy, but he but he says, you know, it's not about fixing anything, Ruben. You don't need to fix mm-hmm. anything. Listen, I, don't I have need you a, to fix anything here. Yeah, it's it's not about fixing anything. It's just about you know you need to you need to come to terms with what's going on here, and not just busy yourself and occupy yourself with uh, with other things. And he's mm-hmm. I got a room. I want you to wait. You wake up. I'll have hot coffee. You know how does five thirty sound? Yeah, it sounds it seems okay. Okay, how about five? And I just want you to go up. And anytime you feel like, just sit there and think. And if you feel like you need to get up and do something, then just write. Um, and yeah, we have a good couple scenes of him, of Ruben obviously struggling with that to stay, to stay still. And Joe recognizes that. And he says, just, you know, once you start to deal with it, once you start to understand and accept, it'll be so much easier for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think even in that first interview or sit down or whatever you want to call it with Joe, Ruben brings up like the, the, the operation, right? The surgery He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be getting this operation. And he's like, oh, it costs a lot of money. Ruben's like, yeah, I'll find a way kind of thing. Yeah. And he's trying to get it out of his head where it's like, you know, this is, that's not your reality anymore. And it maybe shouldn't be right. Well, and again, that's, that's the adapting that they're talking about often in the movie. Um, It's like, you got to change to your surroundings. You got to change to what it is. You can't rely on the old way of life in this case, right? Like, cause it's not, it'll never be the same, but it's, you know, it takes, unfortunately, maybe Ruben to not to learn that a little bit later. Right. But, Everyone has to do it on their own, I guess. And that's, I mean, Joe eventually kind of says that, but yeah. And then again, a, a scene you can, you have to watch to really get the full effect of, but the, the slide scene when he has the interaction with one of the kids from the class and he's hitting the vibrations on the, on the slide and, you know, we we're getting it from their perspective and then it cuts away to what, 
it would sound like to us. And it's like, you know, it, it seems like such a, you know, a, a small moment, right. From, from the uh, outside view, mm-hmm. but to them, it's like this profound moment of understanding and connection. Yeah. Be- it was beautifully done. Honestly, beautifully done. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, and then you had talked about it before, uh, when he finally goes back to the airstream and he pulls out his drums. That's right. Of course. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's kind of the, the old man still got it kind of scene. Oh, it's still old, old guy still got it. But it's, uh, again, it, like you said, it's, it's so well done because it's just, he can just play as hard as he wants. He can't really hear yeah. it. No one can hear him. So then when we're from his perspective, it's like, it's all again, it's really drowned out. It's so like not yeah. loud at all that it, you know, zooms out from shows him inside there. And it's just so loud. He's just playing the drums as hard as he can. And it's just nice. Like, uh, breaking bad style shot yes, in the course. desert with the sun, with the sun going down in the, in the camper. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Ruben. Finally, he he he's keep breaking the rules. He's going on the internet. He's keeping up with uh, with Lou's life. He realizes on that Facebook. she's yeah <laughs> real, realize that she's moving on, uh, doing her own solo music stuff. And uh, he uh, basically is like, okay, well, fuck it. I gotta I gotta get out of here. Even though we've seen a bit of a, a profound change in him, where he's he seems happy. He yeah. has human connection, right? He's He's connecting with kids and with with Diane and with the, the other people in the mm-hmm. in the Joe, community. And well, and Joe offers him a job formally, right? He says right. like there is there's a role for you here now. People seem to really, because yeah. I think it is like he's just what I think that again without that's where you're saying it transcends things. It's just like that community's really accepted him for who he is for who yeah. Ruben is and they really enjoy his time. You know, he's teaching the yeah. kids how to play drums, like basic drumming lessons. Right. That oh yeah. That's a, that's a great scene too. Right. You know, stuff like, watch like that. me, watch me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and he pretend, pretends to hit the bucket and, and everyone, yeah. some people hit it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just like little things like that. So yeah, Joe formally offers him a position. And then like you said, but that, that sort of Lou thing is drawing him back to a life that just isn't his anymore, but he doesn't know that or he doesn't that a life. He, a life he's addicted to, Neil? Well, the, absolutely. You know, maybe that he doesn't know, but yeah, you're right. Probably a life that he's, you know, the life that he still yearns for in some way because he hasn't been able to come to terms with it still. Well, and he sell, he sells that life. He, you know, sells it off and then. To get, try and get uh, it back. Yeah. Yeah. And then he opts to get the surgery. And then that, the, the scene when he finally goes back to get activated is weird. But before that, you want to talk about for your consideration? This is it for Paul, this is it for Paul Reiki, yeah, for Joe's he go, Yeah, Ruben goes to tell him, "Listen, I gotta go. I got the I got the surgery." He lifts up his his toque, which we call this is a Canadian podcast. Right. It's not a beanie; it's a toque. He says, "I did he, the deed," and then you know, Joe's right. like, what? "What the deed? That's life." No, for real. Okay, it just passes. It just fucking fucking passes. I wonder, uh, all these mornings you've been sitting in my study, sitting, have you had any moments of stillness? Because you're right, Reuben, the world does keep moving and it can be a damn cruel place. But for me, those moments of stillness 
place. That's the kingdom of God. And that place will never abandon you. But I see you've made your choice, right? Sincerely hope that it brings you happiness, Ruben. Yeah, and it's just like you feel all the emotion, right? Where it's like it's probably something that Paul Reiki's felt his entire life, you know, seeing his parents and mm-hmm. maybe how their their life is viewed through other people and how it's a problem. And he says that he's like, you need to understand, Ruben, like the people that live here, we don't see deafness as a disability, yeah. but you seem to, and you can't have you here. I can't and have that because bre- my belief isn't that. You know, it breaks his heart in so many ways because he doesn't want to see Ruben go. He obviously likes him. He does. He's he's devastated that he decided to have this surgery and that he couldn't see that his life was okay the way it was, mm-hmm. better than okay the way it was. Yeah. And he has to, and he and he has to stick by his his the fundamentals of his community and be like, you can't you can't be here. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. Well, and he just talks little, about... Yeah. Because uh, again... Well, he's like, you know, you're, you went up in my study every morning. Did you even do any... Do you, did you ever sit and just accept the silence and 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 just enjoy it? And he, he just, the, the, you know, uses the term, you know, that's to me, that's the kingdom of God. When you can sit and under, and just be in that zone, right? Where you don't... You, you can just be comfortable in the silence. Like that's... That is... It's a it's a moment of bliss. It's nirvana almost, right? Yeah. Oh, so good. But again, I think there's another little subtlety about the community. From my understanding, from the little bit I know, like some of the implant mm. stuff is fairly controversial. Mm. You know, because it right. is. Because again, it's I think it's about accepting life and yeah. whatever. And if it's done certain ages, I, I don't exactly know, but I do know, and I think that's why the movie brings it up. Because again, yeah. it's like Joel clearly thinks that it's it's not something that they want to do because it then admit, you know, it's in some way admitting that something is AKA wrong with you and right in yeah. some capacity. And I don't think that's, that's not the message that he wants to portray is like he said, absolutely. He says it straight up that, you know, we don't view it as a disability. And so I can't, I can't have somebody here that basically does view it like that. So, well, and you have to pack your things and leave. And, and he and again he has a great line. He says, "Listen, I don't know what's going on, Ruben, but you you're acting and looking like somebody who's an addict." Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he's because he, he money. says he's like Joe. He's like Joe. Yeah, I need. I need. I don't know. If this is proper, but I need money. And he's like, "God damn it, man!" Like, <laughs> and yeah, and it's just like, okay. So this is my question. I, I said before we hopped on that I had a question, not okay. not a nitpick, but just a question when it comes to the implant surgery. Sure. So of course, when they finally get activated and it's all strange, sounds like, like it a sounds robot like or something. Yeah. Well, that and that's and the doctor says she's like, you know, you you still can't hear, like your ears don't work, Ruben. It's your brain the the chip basically is tricking your brain into thinking it can hear, which yeah. is like so fucking like <laughs> yeah, galaxy <yeah>. brain. But <laughs> yeah. but my question is, this is an expensive surgery. Obviously, he talks about it's like eighty grand. Um, Either Ruben just ignored when he was getting his consultation, or did the doctor not tell him that this is what it would be like? Yeah, right. 
That was the one thing where I was like, well, would she not have been like, hey, just so you know, you get this surgery. Like, like it's not. Yeah. That was the one thing where. But but then again, we've we've seen Ruben's characters throughout this movie where he probably didn't even. They probably mentioned it. He was he probably was like, I brushed it off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's now that you just said that, that's kind of more how I would read it. Because like we said, we've kind of come to learn Ruben's character a little bit and. He seems it would have been be. nice just to maybe have that scene where yeah. just the doctor giving him the consultation. Because truthfully, the movie's not terribly long. It's only two hours right on, two the, hours. on yep. the nose with credits. Yep. So, you know, five minutes maybe you could have spared. I don't think it would have been... It wouldn't I, have I, could, I could have even lived with a one-minute scene, to yeah. be honest. Just being like, hey, you know, just before we go through with this, this is the, you know, kind of debriefing him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Because he's so shocked, right, obviously, when... It happens. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's just such he goes he goes to uh, Lou's dad's house. Who is I don't know if you recognize the actor, but Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace, James Bond. Oh, she's the villain in Quant- villain in Quantum of Solace. There you go. Um, and they're having a party for Lou, and or I guess it's his birthday, right? It's her dad's birthday, is what it ends up being. I something like that. So. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So they're having a party and just. Him being in public and all the like, all the sounds around, and just yeah, yeah it sounds like this. Ugh. And it's again, it's this metaphor for you're going through a transition in life, and you're clinging to the things that you used to have, and you, when you're willing to cling on to it, you know, just for the sake of being able to say you still have it, only to realize before it's probably too late that it's never going to go back the way you wanted it to. And it's you're probably worse off rather than just accepting what is happening. Yeah. Again, great metaphor for life and for, and for growing I mean. up they, and for maturing. Using, yeah. yeah, they're using you know deafness in this case, and I yes. think it's a commentary on both. I think it's yes. a commentary on both. Yes, deafness itself, and uh, like you said, transcending to other parts, just like in life. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, such a oh, because even like again when he gets those implants in there. Yeah. Again, the volume and like what you're hearing, it's just like it's cringy, man. Like, oh yeah. my god, it, like you, yeah. you got like this. It's robotic and like this ringing in your ears. Again, when I talk about the sound, sound of, of metal, yeah, sound of metal. You're right. It almost sounds like grinding. It's just like, yeah, oh, dude, like, oh, yeah. I just went. Yeah, it's like this is. It's like the music Trent Reznor was making in the '90s with Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's like industrial. Yeah. Oh man, like, uh, that would be horrible. Yeah, and then. So actually, I had written the line down here. What Joe says, he says, "Moment of stillness." That's the kingdom of God. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, metaphor for just we live in such this this hectic, busy time in life, right? Where we're, there's stimulus everywhere, or stimuli everywhere, right? And we talk about intention spans being shortened and having to, you know, you're on your phone and blue light and you know news, you know uh, what do you call it? Break the breaking news banner at the bottom of which never goes away anymore on Fox and CNN, right? It's everything is breaking news and all these distractions and these and these sounds and these visuals and not taking the time right to enjoy that moment of stillness. And then you know again, he's J- Ruben's trying to cling to this thing with Lou, and even when they're in bed together, you can kind of see that like mm-hmm. something's off, and they both know it and. At first, when she goes, oh, sorry, it's just dry in here. I need some water. I was like, oh, no, she's like, she's using again or something, right? Like, some, there's something mm-hmm. off. But then, you know, earlier when, uh, at the start of the movie, when he first wakes her up in the, when they're still together and, um, you know, 
there, there's a comment about how she's always scratching, right? She's anxious. So she always like, she'll scratch herself in her sleep and she'll, there'll be scratches and maybe she even like bleeds a little bit or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first comments he says to her when the, when he sees her again, when they're, I don't know, are they in like Quebec or Paris? Like we're, it's Paris. I everyone's think. French. It's Paris. Yeah. Everyone's French. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's Paris. Yeah. Uh, so when they're in Paris and he, he's, he's like, like, Oh, you're speaking French. I didn't know you spoke French. Like you realize that like these people have been together for four years. He like, doesn't really know much about her. And he's like, never met her dad. And he's like, you know, I never really liked you, Ruben, because you took her away from me just like her mother did. But, you know, I think you're kind of a good guy, right? Let me yeah. make you eggs. Oh, man. Again, just like a perfect and, summation, right? Because, and like you said, it eventually yeah. gets to the point where it's like, you know, they talk about potentially doing the tour again together. And then, you know, she can tell she's getting a little anxious about that again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that's when he realizes like, oh, damn it. I'm the problem. Sure. But. And then he just, and then again, just, just, hey, Lou. It's okay. You saved my life. She's like, why are you saying these things? You saved mine too. And then that's it. And like, that's cool. Cause both can be right. That like, yeah, we're both, I loved it. Like it's better yeah. that we're apart, but we also did play a role in yep. keeping us alive in some way. Yeah. But you know, to, to continue on the path, we need to be separate. And I think uh, that, that's then, where it like comes yeah. back to again to just like, now it's a film about addiction, yep. you know, and recovery. Yep. It's not a film about so yep. that's where it bounces between so well. It's not even a sound about <laughs> no, music, no. really, or a no, movie about not. music. It's not about metal no. music at all, really. Um, <sighs> and but again, he just you know he's standing there in the in the room when she's singing with her dad when Lucy singing with her dad, and he says he's like, "Oh, you sounded great." And it's like she knows that he's like he doesn't like he doesn't really have a way of really critiquing that yeah. anymore, right? I know. Um, and again, I think she does. Olivia Cook does such a good job. Like she speaks fucking French in this movie, and she's like, she has to play like she's she's devastated and doesn't know what to do, and she's heartbroken and she's she's confused and like I don't know. I th- I think her performance is really underrated. Um, but then it, you know we get to the end, and finally he's you know he's in the busy the busy Parker of Paris, and there's this bell tower going off. These kids are yelling. And he finally just says, you know what? Fuck it. He takes out the implants and he finally at, at the end, perhaps too late, realizes that moment of stillness is, yeah. is bliss, right? He looks up at that mm-hmm. clock tower. Yeah, it's just the clock tower. He looks up at the sky and it's just birds. He looks over and it's mm-hmm. just kids playing. And again, you kind of mentioned it. It like feels like it's so long. And again, Joe's uh, lesson to Ruben this whole time is now our lesson at the very end. That's right. Do we feel uncomfortable f- sitting in that moment of silence or is that it moment nice of stillness for, for longer than a minute? Yeah. Right. Take that moment to just disconnect and just, you know, be peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, what a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Great fucking movie. And again, oh, even man. the sound that transition from it, you know, cause it is, it's like, it's really jarring the noise that's going on with like the implants and he just takes them up and it's just dead silence. Which is yep. just super cool in terms of yep. uh, from a technical spe- standpoint, just like boom. And yep. then, like you said, are we now relieved almost when it's been kind yep. of uncomfortable for us the whole movie? Yep. Perhaps. So, I mean, I know I was happy to not have to listen to that noise anymore. So, I know. So, yeah, it was. It was but then it's like, it's kind of a depressing of ending because it's like, yes. 
there's still some sadness he's, to it. He spent eighty thousand yes. dollars on this thing that he doesn't want anymore. Yeah. No, and there's definitely still a, a touch of sadness. And like, he sold he sold his airstream. He sold all his equipment. Like mm-hmm. it's it's gonna start over. But hey, maybe that's maybe that's not so depressing. Maybe sure. it's that's maybe that is good for him. You know, give up that lifestyle and start over and move on to something new. The other thing that's interesting is you never really know how old he is, right? Yeah. How old Ruben is. Uh-huh. Could be in his twenties, could be in his thirties, we don't really know. Is he no. At the start of a career, is he kind of <laughs> been clinging again, clinging to something that's never really going to work yeah. in the end? That's a good question. So, oh yeah, expertly done. I, this is one of those movies where it's like it takes thirteen years to make, but you're glad that it Finally, it got done right. Yes, yes, it made right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think the praise um, that's coming on it is is justified. If when you watch it, you'll realize that this is what like representation looks like. This is what a movie can be when you get the people that need to be in certain roles are yeah. like, I think that's just, it's just pretty simple truthfully. So and it's sad. Yeah, that, so if you we're know, doing- I'm glad that, like you said, I like you, you did mention it. You imagine Jared Leto as Paul, I mean, or as Joe, sorry, oh my God. I mean, come on. Right. But like, or even as Ruben, <laughs> he would have some fucking, he'd have something in vanity fair about how like I wore <laughs> noise canceling implants for four weeks. Maybe that's why he went on his retreat before the pandemic to get into the character because he thought he'd be getting the role. Oh my yeah. god, fuck! Exactly. But I'm hey, just so glad know, that it wasn't something. Every like day, that. every day, we're one day closer to Justice, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Jesus Christ! We live in a society, Batman. Oh, god help us all. Uh, okay, so if we're talking our our best pictures and we're doing old school top five. Does Sound of Metal crack the top five? For me, it does so from a personal standpoint. Absolutely. I think it does for me, too. Totally. Like, I don't think it will for whatever reason that we were just talking about. I don't think it will which either. Which is yeah. unfortunate. To me, this is like, you know, they're giving it love in, in the categories that we expect and the acting, which I think is totally justified. But it would have been, like, nice to see it get in there with a movie or for the best picture category. But to me, like, this is so, okay. my man. This is top so three So if we want to go... So it, it would top three be Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, and Mank? Yeah. 100%. That's what I wrote too. Yep. I just I yep. just wrote that down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it would knock out for me. This, I had to fight Bloods in there, but I think this I like this one better. I think I do too. Um, yeah, it pushes down Trial Chicago 7 for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Rainey, Soul. I, I think it's under these. Or it's over these ones. I mean, I, I think I like it more than you. I still want to give some praise to Pieces of a Woman because sure. it just is like, oh, man. But yeah, I think right now there's sort of like the top tier Mank, Promising Young Woman, and Sound of Metal. And if if all the hype lives up to it, maybe our top five, maybe Minari and, and Nomadland, Nomadland slip in into there. the top five. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Because, I mean, obviously... Uh, Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah, though? I don't know. But again, a really acting... Getting a lot of praise for the acting, but maybe not necessarily the film as a whole. So I've got to say, Neil, as weird as this year has been... Great fucking movie year. I think I'm liking this year better than last year, to tell you the truth. Great fucking movie yeah. year. Last year was more traditional. Like it, There yeah. is some uniqueness, of course, but it was heavier, I would say, bigger stars, perhaps. More A-listers, Absolutely. right? Like, when we're doing Ford versus Ferrari, it's like, it's Christian Bale, it's Matt Damon. Well, that, Jojo Rabbit, you know, Scarlett Johansson, right? <sighs> You yeah. know, Taika Waititi, who's now like you know riding off the MCU, exactly. Right? Like Marriage Story, it's Scarlett Johansson again. It's you know Adam Driver. It's I don't even. Know. Well, it, come on, 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time Brad in Hollywood, Pitt and right? Leonardo, DiCap- Leonardo DiCaprio and a t- Quentin Tarantino totally, movie, Margot right? Robbie, our girl, Margot Robbie. Of course, right? you know, Parasite so, ends up pulling it off, but that's really the only one that was sort of outside of the norm, I would say. So, Well, it's interesting you say that because as good of a movie year it is, as it is, it's going to be the least... Like most people are gonna be like, I don't know these movies. I don't yeah. have like yep. you and I are invested in yes, this. But I would recommend but, trying to seek out these movies more than any one would have been last year. To tell you the truth, I'm just meaning yeah. as a whole, as a general. Like, well, even you know, as even a even a movie we really liked that didn't get the praise we hoped it would. Little Women, like it's based on a novel, based, based on, on a movie that's already been made with a star-studded cast. You know, yeah, exactly. Emma, you know Emma Watson. Everyone still loves Emma Watson. Sure. Bob and Odenkirk makes a little appearance. You know, still so weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Laura, still Laura so Dern. I, I, I almost, I almost should go back and watch it now because I that had been before I watched Breaking Bad, so maybe it'd be even weird, weirder for me because I had known I had known Bob Odenkirk from like, sure. you know, uh, Daily Show and stuff like that. Right? It was really weird for um, me. I remember because I was like, "What? Yeah." I was like, "This is sad." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, yeah, just I think just in. as an overall, because again, I think me and you have talked about this, there's a uniqueness. Yeah. I think Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, even a Defive Bloods, you know, I think we've been, a, you know, uh, One Night in Miami, yeah, it's a play. Oh, man, that, see, that I, I would put that too. in there too almost. Yeah. But, yeah, we've, I, just overall from a uh, strength of film, I'm liking this year a little bit better. And like I said, I, I'm loving that. You know, best actors might be like, you know, Delroy Lindo, he might fall out, but I loved him. You know, Riz Ahmad in here, like you said, like, yeah, yeah, Anthony Hopkins is like the mainstay, but look at all the people that are around him that are getting nominated. You know, Chadwick, Gary, Bo- Oldman. Gary Oldman, I guess, Chadwick Boseman, yeah. but it's still a unique group. There's, you know, a Paul Reiki will yeah. probably get a supporting nom and stuff like that. Like, that's what you like to see. And, and we're watching those movies and I'm, and I'm liking it because it's. It's adding a level of uh, uniqueness. So with Minari, Nomadland, it is, yeah, she may have just won an Oscar again, but, you know, for the older women representation in in Hollywood, which is sometimes problematic, we're seeing her again. uh, What actress am I thinking of there? Why can't I? Who's married to the Coen brothers? Three billboards. Why is it slipping my mind? (laughs) Anyway. Oh, for Fargo? Yeah. Who's? Yeah. No, and what's... um, Oh my goodness, Francis McDormand. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just Sorry. couldn't figure I, out her that's name. That's who you're talking reason. about. Yeah. 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 Um, oh okay. Yeah, but like you know, things like that. You know, I like that she's she's still kicking, um, and like I said, kicking ass basically for for older uh, women actresses, which I hope you know moving forward yeah. we see more of it because I think they get they get written out really fast. Well, even like really someone like Viola Davis. Yeah, you know, and Viola Davis, same thing. Exactly. Like I want to see more of that stuff. So. Carrie, Carrie Mulligan too, you know, she's moving sure. into that, you know, late thirties mm-hmm. where this is generally where they start to get again, phased out a little it's bit. It's not, it's not right at all, yeah. but this is just, you know, the way it's been. And it's good to see that that's not the case anymore. Like it, it, it's still to me such like, it, it's going to be interesting when we, when we finally break down the, uh, the categories uh, at the end of April, because Best actress to me is like Stack. I, I every different day I wake up and I'm like, no, it's gotta, it's got, it's gotta be Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, but Viola Davis is so good. And then I'm like, I can't get Vanessa Kirby's role, like performance but out of my even head the three either. You just right. said, you know, that's yeah. a a unique 
like those are all great performances, but people that you don't necessarily always think of. And then a Francis McDormand yeah, maybe gets in he, there with No Man Land. And you're like, okay, like that's a really diverse sort of range. Yeah, and then Andre Day, we people. we still haven't watched. Yeah, we still haven't watched uh, Billy Holiday, The United States versus Billy Holiday. Like Andre Day won the Golden Globe, so right. Uh, and then you could, I, if Zendaya got nominated, I wouldn't be mad. Sure, I would. She shouldn't win, but I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. I mean, it's a decent performance. Yeah, the, the film's just... A, it's over the top. The screenplay's just but a disaster. The whole movie's over the top. <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't be mad about sure. it. I, I, I think that if the Oscars won it... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this TikTok where it's uh, like uh, millennials trying to relate to Gen Zers at uh, uh, Urban Outfitters. Oh, God. Hey, I got my uh, got my jeans. All of them are fat legs. No skinny jeans in there. Anyway, they bring up the whole. She makes a comment. She's like, "Oh, you know what? My favorite. Uh, I watch a lot of shows about teen sex and makeup, but my favorite is uh, Euphoria. It uh, that hits different. Anyway, the reason why I bring this up is because if the Oscars wants to try to, you know, bring in a younger audience, having Zendaya as a as a nominee nominee wouldn't be the worst idea mm-hmm. right and, and i hate to say that it makes it sound like it but it's a tv show yeah. at the same time and they're always talk they're always talking about viewership and ratings and i don't know if you saw the articles but the golden globes had like a 46 percent drop in viewership this year mm-hmm. so i don't know I, again i think zendaya is talented don't get me wrong i think she's incredibly talented just malcolm and marie is just I that's don't, not it but then again, but then he gets the fucking Oscars. Like, this could be what she wins for. <laughs> and you're like, what the? I still cannot get over the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio has an Oscar for the fucking Revenant. Yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix has it for the Joker. Listen, don't get me started. It's just Joker. Joker, sorry, not the Joker. Joker. <laughs> just Joker. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not so mad about the Joaquin Phoenix thing. It's, you know, my feelings on Joaquin Phoenix. I know, but it's not. He, 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 right, you're going to, you're going to hate me for this, Neil. What's this? Joaquin Phoenix trends is trending closer to Jared Leto for me these days. Mm, mm, no, he's better than that. Come on now. He's better. He's better. He's better. <laughs> but it's just everything is just a fucking thing. There's maybe a little, it's there's maybe a little self-importance thing. there. Is that what you're like? I don't know. I, I, I know I, I put Leonardo DiCaprio on a pedestal different tier than ever than everybody else yeah, on a pedestal. But when he did the Revenant, there wasn't a whole goddamn expose about like, Oh, I had to live with bears for ten days, like you know, to really understand the the what it's like to be in the wilderness. Well, no, I mean, he did say in interviews though how he had to like get into a dead carcass of a elk. Yeah, or but but it wasn't like a but it wasn't a thing. Maybe it was, and I just ignored it. But <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But I think maybe that's why that I don't like that performance as much, and I think Tom Hardy is way better in that movie. <laughs> well, Tom Hardy actually has and, dialogue. God damn it! And and you think of a. <laughs> You think of something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Rick Dalton is yeah. like, I, th- I think about it all the time, it might be his best character. Yeah. Anyway. We've um, gone off topic. Rizamed. But of course. We want you to. Of course, well, he, we have him in Best Actor, oh, yeah. right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yes. I would. Uh, I think. Might be my favorite, truthfully, at this point. Would I. Th- would I th- interesting. Yeah. From um, what we've seen and who's nominated. In, in lead? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Kingsley Benadier to me, it just I can't stop thinking about his Malcolm X. I can't. Yeah. I, I just like it. It's just so, so impressive we love to me. Chadwick, but but uh, I like him more than the Five Bloods, so do though. I. And he's, I like him and he's more than the Five Bloods. Marinis, and I'm like, eh, which is fine as fine. long as he gets something. I'm fine with it. But I just 
man, Storm and Norman. Just that la- I think about that last scene when Delroy Lindo has that last when he finally vision. Gives him. I know. I love you, blood. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, shit, man. God, I loved it. Loved it so much. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm loving this Oscars race this year. So, uh, Juice and the Black Messiah next week, Neil? Sounds like it. Let's do it. Uh, so we'll be doing that next I think Thursday. we're going to do Judas and the Black Messiah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure that out. Uh, either way, one of those two. Yeah. So watch one of those two, and we'll talk about that next week, and then watch them both. Watch them both. Um, yeah. Because we'll be covering them both. Yeah. I think those. Are, I think those are our next two, regardless. Our next two. Yeah. But we'll do Judas and the Black Messiah next week. Minari. The week. Yeah. We're saving. We're saving Nomadland for the for the bitter end. Well, because we'll get it for free <laughs> potentially. <laughs> well, not free, but, uh, but yeah. on a streaming service yeah. that we currently own. Yeah. See, so that's how they get you. Yes, God. Is you think it's free, but it's not free. It's not really free. Yeah. Nothing in this life for free. There ain't no rest for the wicked, as uh, Cage the Elephant once said. There we go. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, we'll be back on Monday. We'll be off the bench. We'll be doing. Oh man, we'll be talking about the, the Road Warriors of the Week. We'll be talking about the two, the, the winner of the Coach O'Ryan Award, two way player of the week. Uh, we'll be recapping the Oilers, which oh boy, Neil, this life as an Oilers fan, eh? Nothing like battling your way to an zero and three record. <laughs> For the love of God. Uh, anyway, we'll be <laughs> back. Like battling uh, until... through nine goals <laughs> against, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> until then, follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcast. Uh, I'll have an article out Friday morning whenever you listen to this. Uh, recapping part two of the Oscars race. And then, uh, yeah, follow us on social media. Two Man Booth and all three platforms. Until then, Neil. Nothing else. Till Monday. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Stay home. Thank you.